ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is the Victorian Country Hour on ABC Radio Victoria. G'day, Angus Furley here bringing you uh, an abbreviated and a late country hour today. We were waiting for the, the cricket to wrap up with Australia bringing home a nice uh, win over the West Indies there. So we'll be with you from now until 1.30. So quite a short country hour, but I hope you've stayed tuned to the radio and you are going to catch this program because on today's show we'll be asking, did the Weather Bureau's El Nino forecast affect livestock markets last year. You'll hear from a sheep and cattle producer and a market analyst, all with different perspectives. Get in touch, 0467 842 722 is the text line. We will head to the Weather Bureau now for our regular cross. Senior forecaster Lincoln Trainer is on the line. Afternoon, Lincoln. Good afternoon, Angus. How are you going? Good news for the cricket? Good news, yeah. It has mucked up our country hour a little bit, but we should have our priorities right and happy to see Australia. I think there was a lot of expectation that this test wouldn't go on for long against a weakened West Indies side, and that was the case, wasn't it, inside two and a half days? Yeah, very short. Short and sweet and a very strong team. Good to have that squad at the moment, I reckon. Lincoln, what's uh, happening around the state weather-wise at the moment? Yes, um, so if we look at the, the basic synoptics uh, across Victoria at the moment, we've got a low in the Tasman Sea and a high in the Bight building a ridge over western Victoria. Uh, these systems are combining to direct a, a cool south to southwesterly flow over the state. Uh, a weak, crof, a weak a trough, a trough sorry, will cross the state uh, late Saturday, early Sunday before the next high moves slowly over the state um, uh, early next week and then we have uh, the next front approaching Wednesday. So what does that all mean? Well, for warnings today, we've got a marine wind warning for strong winds along the central coast, uh, central Gippsland coast and east Gippsland coast. We have a minor flood warning for the Murray River still out and that's occurring at Barham, uh, possible at uh, Turumbury from early next week as well and Ichuka is below minor but continues to rise slowly. There's no more significant rainfall uh, expected in the next five days so things should ease uh, across those warnings and also the Bureau's finalised the flood warnings for the Goulburn and Loddon uh, rivers. So today, uh, as we heard a little bit in the news segment, it was a bit more Melbourne. I'll go regional. Today, it is cool and partly cloudy uh, in the south and a mild and dry sunny day in the north. Uh, if we go around to various districts, uh, Mildura will see 29, Horsham 26, Warrnambool 21, Bendigo 25, Shepparton 26, Ballarat 22 and Sale is 23. Uh, Saturday, we'll see uh, the temperatures rise. Uh, two to seven degrees uh, across the district. A weak trough uh, moves into the state and we have a northerly ahead. So we'll see a warm, dry
dry and mostly sunny day in the north, a partly cloudy day in the south, a chance of a, a morning fog in the central district and near the ranges, um, and Mildura will jump up to 35, Horsham will jump to 33, Warrnambool 29, Bendigo 30, Shepparton 31, Ballarat 28, and Sale 25. Then on Sunday, it gets a bit cooler again. Uh, winds turn south to southwesterly across the state behind this weak trough. There won't be much rain in it, but it'll be a mostly sunny uh, day in the north. Cloudy at times in the south, mild uh, temperatures in the south and warm in the north. So temperatures will actually drop 3 to 7 degrees uh, in the south, but r remain similar across the north. So temperatures like... Uh, uh, Ballarat will drop to 25 and Horsham down to 28 and Warrnambool down to 22, but Mildura and Bendigo will be similar. Uh, Monday, winds are south to south-easterly, a risk of a shower in the south. Uh, it's a mostly dry day across the rest of the state, sunny and warm in the north, partly and cloudy and mild in the south. So there's not much change to the temperatures except for sale. Sale will drop by about 6 degrees, um, but it'll be a similar uh, temperatures. But then, the story is interesting Tuesday. We get the winds finally turning more northerly, and that brings sunny and dry conditions across the state um, and hot in the, in the north. So Mildura will jump up to 38, uh, Horsham 35, War Warrnambool 27, Bendigo 34, Shepparton 35, Ballard at 30 and sale 23. So temperature increasing by 1 to 7 degrees on Tuesday across the state. And then Wednesday is the hottest day of the week. Forecast uh, partly cloudy, uh, mostly sunny in the north, but it's going to be very hot in the northwest hot across the north and warm to hot across the south. So Mildura is going to hit potentially 43 degrees. Um, the last time we saw that temperature was the 18th of March in 2023 at 42.5. The actual record for Mildura uh, in January is 46.9. So we won't quite get there, but it's getting quite warm. Horsham's 38, Warrnambool 31, Bendigo 36, Shepparton 39, Ballarat 33 and Sale 31. So temperatures are increasing over two days by up to 10 degrees uh, in the north. So that will be interesting to see. So things to look out for will be elevated fire dangers as those temperatures begin to, to rise in the north as well as a potential low intensity heat wave uh, mid next week so they're probably the areas we're focusing on Angus. Okay so those those hot northerlies that we're, we, we typically expect in summer but haven't had much of this summer we are going to get them next week. We are. I think the monsoon trough has broken down the previous pattern. Uh, that was a bit of a delayed arrival. So we've finally got a break in that synoptic pattern that hasn't allowed us to get really above, uh, you know, 30 in the south and, you know, mid-30s in the north. So finally a break in that. If people are looking for that, uh, we will see that summer northerly. And Chris, on our text line from Carowinna in the, the far northwest, uh, he's asking yeah. when is the next rain coming to add to the, the total for the year of 80 mils. But from what you're saying, Lincoln, no rain on the outlook? No, no rain. Um, at the moment, there is a trough kind of crossing. Well, it's approaching Wednesday, and that's bringing that, that inland trough, bringing those northerlies uh, and an associated front down to the south. Um, at the moment, it doesn't look like there's a lot in it, so we're not looking at any big rainfall events on the on the horizon. Um, there could be a few showers around, but at the moment, it's relatively dry in the outlook. Quite a change to what we've become accustomed to. Thanks, Lincoln.
No problems, Angus. Lincoln Trainer there, Senior Forecaster at the Bureau, talking about uh, some of that warm weather coming up mid-next week. The Victorian Country Hour on ABC Radio Victoria. Farmers who sold livestock into the bottom of the market last year say they're angry the Bureau of Meteorology didn't predict the wet summer. They're partly blaming the Bureau for the big livestock sell-off that we saw last year and the subsequent crash in prices. Scott Herman, a sheep and cattle producer from Hamilton, says with dry conditions and a dry forecast last year, farmers made tough decisions to sell but in hindsight wish they hadn't. Oh, well, I suppose our year's been, uh, like, weather-wise, like, we had extremely wet June and then, uh, and they were talking sort of El, El Nino sort of from then on and um, and then, then it sort of came into a sort of a dry spring, so it looked like they were going to be pretty accurate, like, um, we had a drier than every spring, I suppose, and so that, was, that put a lot of pressure on people decision-making whether to, to hold or, or sell their sell their stock, I suppose. Um, personally, I had sort of, you know, we got to about November and things weren't looking real good and our prices weren't... Uh, going real well and the, and the weather forecast wasn't brilliant looking ahead so probably made decision to sell steers that I probably would have kept if um, in hindsight knowing if, um, if the weather the way it's turned out like once we got to December, January like we had you know quite good rains and I think they've been widespread rains too which has really helped all the livestock prices you know especially you know, you know wet weather through New South Wales and them sort of big sort of cattle areas as well I suppose so um, that was probably one area that um, we probably sold sold steers in November when we probably, you know, in hindsight, if you had known the weather was going to do what it did, we would have um, would have kept them, I suppose. And sheep prices were pretty cooked too in uh, November. There's no confidence going forward in that sort of market, you know, and drivers all coming and, um, and stock prices were very low and we probably had to make room for, you know, the next wave of stock coming through. So, you know, to, you know, in hindsight, we probably would have held on to, you know, crossbred years as well, I suppose, to, um, to this year. If you, had, if, if you knew the weather was going to um, break like it did and, uh, you know, but prices have really taken a taken a, a lift and um, that's helped everything. What's been the cost to you, the, 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 the money lost selling then in, in depressed markets compared to selling now or going forward after after the big price rise? You know, steers, I, I suppose I sold 14-month-old steers at about a bit over $2 a kilogram, I suppose, in November, whereas now they'd be uh, making more than, uh, they'd be closer to $3 a kilogram, I suppose. So uh, there's probably a dollar a kilogram um you know, just on on the cattle cattle side of things, I suppose. So uh, the sheep, well, they you know, crossbred ewes were making a most ewes in a period they were making between probably twenty and thirty dollars, I suppose, a head. And now, um, and now heavy sheep are making um, you know well over well over a hundred dollars. So uh, it's been great for anyone who had the foresight to, or confidence to hold to hold crossbred ewes to the new year. And um, the sheep and land jobs really. Um, really improved out of sight. Do you blame the Bureau for for people's decisions to sell and then the effect on, on prices? Oh, well, I think a lot of people would have taken in consideration into the Bureau's forecast of El Nino. I, I think there's no doubt about that, that they, um, you know, once they were so confident on this, uh, on the El Nino going forward, I, it probably would have influenced people to um, maybe sell now and then instead of... Um, feeding on through uh, through, a, through a hot, dry summer if they had to. So uh, it certainly influenced their decision to sell that, um, you know, I don't know, you, you can't not all, you can't put all the blame at, at, at their feet. It's, um, it's just one of those things that I think it certainly didn't help once once it got out there that, that we're headed for an El Nino. I think a lot of people were gun shy on, on holding stock and didn't want to put 
deer grown down cheap mouths, I suppose. But yeah, it's it's but it's caused a lot of problems. You know, what's causing extra problems too? You know, the forecast of a dry summer, and then all of a sudden, people, well, we, you know, we don't need to um, clean our sheep. You know, do fly prevention on that because it's going to be a dry summer. And then all of a sudden, we get a lot of rain. So and, and now we're um, flat out chasing chasing fly blown sheep, I suppose, and and um, and that sort of thing. But you know, the rain, I suppose, you should never knock rain when it comes but anyway livestock prices have kicked so that's that's a real good bonus and scott do you think that the this sort of widespread expectation of of hot dry conditions ahead not not just uh based on on the bureau's forecast but also perhaps politicians uh commentary in the media from lobby groups etc all sort of adding to that that negativity in livestock markets that we saw last year yeah it's once once um once a negative tone gets put out there, it, uh, people start repeating it a bit, and all of a sudden you start. Everyone gets a bit of gloom and doom about it. But uh, one thing that that cures all that is, um, you know, I suppose rain and 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 improve stock prices. And going forward, Scott, do you think people now are going to be very reluctant to make any uh, business decisions based on long-term forecasts? <laughs> well, I think we're all going to be a little bit more cautious. Like, uh, look, I've. Got, I've got no doubt there, um, the Weather Bureau, it's a, it's a difficult job, you know, forecasting forward. But uh, I think sometimes a lot of people fall in the trap if we, we take it for gospel, I suppose. If we hear it on the radio or read it in the paper, we think, well, that's, that must be right, I suppose. So, But I think there's going to be a lot more you know, caution about that um, going forward uh, on the way. So whether it changes people's... Um, planning or um, or activities, I'm not sure whether you just just go ahead and do what you normally do and um, and see how it plans out and, and look more at the short term than the, than the long term. That was Scott Herman, who's a sheep and cattle producer from Hamilton. And on the text line, Tom says, "Does La Nina now mean El Nino? Government departments are lucky they work from home nowadays. Maybe the forecasters just look outside the window." So Tom clearly not happy with the work from the bureau. I'd be interested, though, to get your perspective. Uh, did you make any business decisions based on that dry forecast and that El Nino declaration? Did you decide to sell uh, when you wouldn't have otherwise? Did you avoid buying in livestock because you were worried about dry weather and not having the feed that you'd need? You can get in touch. The text sign, 0467 842 But is it... Is it fair to lay any blame or some blame on the Bureau for that crash in livestock markets that we saw last year? As we heard, some farmers are doing that, saying they sold livestock at the bottom of the market because they expected a dry summer. When, as you well know, in most parts of Victoria, the opposite has eventuated and now livestock prices have surged as a result. But Simon Quilty, meat and livestock analyst at Global Agritrends, says the Bureau is not to blame. No, I don't think it is fair. For a myriad of reasons, I think they were doing the best job they could at the time. But in reality, the the reasons being that the months of August, September, October, the average of those last year were the driest on record in 120 years. And the extreme temperatures, particularly in New South Wales, was September was the hottest you know, anomaly uh, month on record over 120 years as well. So farmers just had to stand in the paddock to decide on what they were going to do. They didn't need to listen to the Bureau of Meteorology. 
Do you think, though, Simon, that with the benefit of hindsight, because it was a, a short, sharp, dry period, that uh, people sold who, who didn't need to? Possibly, but keep in mind that the two previous cattle cycles that we had, early decisions were made in both, and both at the time were the right decision. So if we go back to, you know, the, New South Wales is the vulnerable state. So let's just start with that. But if we go back to the dry of, you know, 2018 and 19, the low in the market was in March that year and it got drier. Prices actually rose. So they made the right decision that time. And back in January 2014, the low in the market and it got drier in the back end of 2014. So you've just got to say that, you know, that their previous practices of selling early and destocking two times out of three had been correct. I think you've got to be also cognizant of the fact that the real driver to me wasn't bomb. It was feed costs. Feed costs were extraordinarily high in August, September, October last year and even earlier. And if you go to feed rations in a feedlot as a guide, they were at $550 per metric tonne versus today sitting at closer to 400 to 450. People did not want to have to carry their animals through a dry summer with those extraordinary costs and the low prices. To me, it was feed costs that truly drove people's decision-making and the decision that they could not afford to carry those animals through, whether they were sheep or cattle. Why do you think people are, are being, being so critical of the Bureau at the moment? Well, I guess everyone's looking for a scapegoat, but in reality, people made the best decisions and BOM made the best decisions it could at the time. But let's not forget that back in June, so BOM did not come out till September to say we're in El Nino. But in America, the meteorology, you know, NOAA, their um, forecasting, government forecasting group came out in June and in Europe, they came out in June calling El Nino. So people were hearing elsewhere El Nino was occurring and they were making decisions, not just on BOM, but also what was happening around the world and the fact that others were willing to call El Nino a lot earlier. So to me, BOM was somewhat cautious about how they called it. They called it much later than any other forecasting agency around the world. Do you think there's a challenge as well for the Bureau in that it can't it obviously can't control how how others report its and, and portray its forecast and then there was there were terms in the media like super El Nino that that wasn't used by the Bureau but it was picked up and, and used by others and popped up in various parts of the media and and do you think that that's problematic and that that could have contributed to the, that real uh, negativity that was felt in the livestock sector last year? There's no doubt that all these things culminate to, you know, people making decisions. But let's put it in perspective. There were high feed costs. It was the driest period and hottest period on record. And there was lack of room in feedlots at the time. 1.2 million 
And we all just had to recall back in 1819 how difficult it was to get animals for drought mitigation into the feedlot sector. To simply blame BOM, I think, is naive. I think that truly those that were destocking did it for a myriad of reasons because of experience in the past and what they were experiencing at the time. It is too simplistic to blame the Bureau of Meteorology. There were many, many other factors. Do you think this, this fixation or focus on on the El Nino declaration is damaging? Because uh, as we know, El Nino, it's only correlated with drier than average weather. It, it doesn't guarantee it. Uh, it the, the duration of it isn't guaranteed, as we've seen this, this one broke down quickly. So do you think we need to stop focusing so much on whether we are or aren't in, in El Nino? I think you're right that there are probably going to be other key indicators that will be followed. But keep in mind in terms of global weather, these are almost unprecedented times. We've got a Pacific Ocean and an Atlantic Ocean simultaneously very, very warm. And that is so unusual. So I think, you know, we're probably almost in uncharted territory in terms of some of the global effects that are going on and to have both oceans well above their average temperature has, I think, complicated the task of forecasting. And for producers, would you have anything to say to them about if they're perhaps regretting they regretting the decisions they've made and contemplating what they should do if they again find themselves in a, a similar situation? Would you say anything to them? I think that those that made the decisions made it at the time on the best information possible. So I, I think it's easy to point the finger and say they should have destocked, but that's you know, easy in hindsight. At the time, you've got to make the right decision based on the best information possible. I think that as we go forward, hopefully as the models get better, we continue to rely on our weather forecasters to make those best decisions. I don't think there are any other ways and means of doing this. I just think that the Bureau does its best job possible. And I think that in the past, people's decision-making, as I've discussed in the previous two cattle cycles, were the correct ones. This time, unfortunately, it wasn't. Two out of three is the situation so far. That was Simon Quilty, Meats and Livestock Analyst at Global Agri-Trends. Quite a few views on this on the text line. Tony in Warnable says, what's the point of having forecasts based on science, recording and technology if it, if it continues to be inaccurate? Many share my views, says Tony. And Joe in the Mallee says, a lot of farmers booked up less fertiliser last winter due to the forecast and therefore less amounts of fert were available during the middle of the year when it started raining and it looked like we'd get a good season. Turns out Australia ended up using the most urea in history. And Tim from the Mallee says he'd like to remind listeners that El Nino is not in itself a forecast, but a term used to describe a number of objectively measured climatic conditions that may or may not influence weather in a particular manner. So a whole range of perspectives there on the text line. Just the one market today, Hamilton Sheep with Chris Agnew.
Thanks, Angus. Hamilton agents yarded 18,700 sheep today, an increase of 6,700 on last week's offering. It was an excellent yarding of trade weight sheep with less heavy weights on offer, the majority being crossbred ewes, with more merino ewes, about 20% of, on, of the offering on offer. Most of the relevant processes were present and active, and most were fully active in a market that was softer by 20 to 25 for the heavy weights, being 30 32 kilos plus. However, there was very strong competition and animated bidding for all light and trade weights to be marginally softer by 20 to 30 cents or 5 to 6 dollars per head compared to last week's sale. The general run of mutton realising between 270 and 330 to average between 290 and 310 cents. Crossbred used to 118 dollars. The well-covered merino used to 97 and merino weathers made up to 100 $14. At Hamilton, this is Chris Agnew reporting for MLA. Thanks very much for that, Chris. We are just about out of time on the Country Hour today, but thank you for getting in touch. A quick one on the text line. This person says farmers need to stop blaming others for their own decision-making. We have a variable climate. Plan your businesses around it and get on with it, says this frustrated farmer. That's it for me on the Country Hour. Fiona Broom in the chair on Monday and then Jane McNaughton on for the rest of the week. Full shows with no cricket interruptions. Time now, one thirty.